Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says now the end of the commandment is charity. Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. And this commandment, it says the end. So the commandment in this chapter and verse, the commandment is not the charge. We went through what the charge was last week. There's 12 of them in the book. The first one comes up in verse number three. And that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. You better have your doctrine right. That's, that's the charge. But in verse number five, it says, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart of good conscience and of faith unfeigned. We see the character. First off, let me say this. The character of the charge that we talked about last week is that you are ready, willing, and able to fight off false doctrine okay and then we come to the second charge that we that, that, that is in this chapter look at verse number seven desiring to be teachers of the law understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm we will get to that charge this evening but in chapter one those are the two charges and you could say this is one wrapped up in two parts You've got to have your doctrine right. And part of having your doctrine right is you've got to make sure that you understand the purpose of the law. Because if you don't understand the purpose of the law, by default, you won't have your doctrine right. So that's the, that's the charge. That's what's going on here. Okay, so the next question is, well, what is that commandment about? We're talking about the end of the commandment, not the commandment as the charge, but the end of the commandment. Get First John chapter number three. First John three. And the Bible says in verse number twenty-three. First John three twenty-three. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. So if we are charged here, if this commandment is to love one another, we see in 1 John chapter number 3. And in 1 Timothy chapter number 3, if we see that verse number 5 says, now the end of the commandment is charity. What do you think that commandment's about? What do you think that ends about? Charity. We did a whole conference on it. Charity is that it's it's extracted out as a word defining the special care and love that brothers and sisters in Christ have for each other. Well, I don't like that brother. I don't like that sister. 
You got to find a way to get some charity work done with that. Now, don't that get difficult when you have to apply it to life? But that's the end of the commandment. And very, very important. Charity out of what? A pure heart. Well, how in the world am I going to have a pure heart? How can your heart be purified? See that in verse number five. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. Go to Acts chapter number 15. Acts 15. Bible says in verse number nine, Acts 15, verse number nine, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, we talked about this a little bit last lesson in First Timothy. The foundation that we're looking at is faith. It's foundational to the Christian life and the Christian walk. And now we're looking at the end of the commandment is charity. But you can only get to that end and have charity if your heart has been purified by the foundation of faith. You've got to have that foundation of faith if you're going to end up getting to the end of the commandment, which is charity that comes out of the pure heart. It all works together. We're in 1 Timothy, right? Go over to 2 Timothy for a second. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 22. Bible says, speaking to believers, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord, here it is again, out of a pure heart. You've got a contrast here in verse number 22 of fleeing and following. You don't just flee. You've got to pick something to follow. And that's the idea here. Is faith your foundation? Charity will be the end of the commandment only if it comes out of a, the end of verse 22, then the call on the Lord out of a pure heart. How is your heart made pure? Acts 15 tells us. Our hearts were purified, purified their hearts by what? Faith. Faith. Second thing we see in 1 Timothy, look at verse number five again. We see that the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. And then we see this phrase that comes up next, and of a good conscience. Go to Timothy, uh, go to Titus chapter number one, and we'll look at that. Titus chapter number one. Because before you were saved, you didn't have a good conscience. You had a defiled conscience. You had an evil conscience, but you did not have a good conscience. This is why you can't look within and follow your heart. That's deceitful. That's wicked. You don't let your conscience be your guide as the as some of the stories tell us. No. When you were saved, before you were saved, your conscience wasn't what it ought to be. Now, it, 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 it can, uh, you have, remember we talked about, you have the law, 
as a Gentile, not a Jew, is written on your heart, you'll know without the law, you'll know God's given enough light for man to know right, right from wrong. But in Titus chapter number one, look at verse number 15. Under the pure, all things are what? Pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is what? Defiled. You've got a contrast here of believers and unbelievers. Believers have a good conscience. Unbelievers have a conscience that is defiled. First Timothy 4 talks about it. Your conscience is seared. People's conscience is seared with a hot iron. How's it made good? By the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. When you are reconciled to God, you become free. Free from dead works and dead religion. It's a freeing feeling on your conscience. When you are speaking to somebody that is lost, and they're trapped in dead religion, you have got to, you have to presuppose that their conscience is defiled, because it is. You've got to have that in the back of your mind. And you can't talk to them as if they've got a good conscience and you've got a good conscience. Because you might have a good conscience. But they don't. Because they're not saved. They have a defiled conscience. So you've got in verse number five, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. That's number one. And of a good conscience. Uh, I want to take a little side trip. I think you'll enjoy this. Go to 1 Peter. Keep your finger in 1 Timothy, but go to 1 Peter. I'd like you to get chapter number 3. First Peter chapter number 3, and while we're at it, let's get Hebrews chapter number 10. We'll get both of those so we can flip there rather quickly. In 1 Peter chapter number 3 and Hebrews chapter number 10, I'll trust you have your spots. Do 1 Peter 3 first. Look at verse 21. It says, um, well, let's start at verse 20. I'm not going to preach on verse 20 because we did this a few Sunday school lessons ago. Bible says, which were, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. We did, a, we did a lesson on that, so we'll move on to the verse we want to get to. The like figure, verse 21, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the, flesh, of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a what? Good conscience toward God. There's that phrase again, a good conscience. And then it finishes by the resurrection of 
Jesus Christ in verse number 21. Now, we obviously can understand we're looking back into Noah's day. Amen. We get that. Could Noah have been saved if he did not enter into the ark? Everybody knows the obvious question. No, Noah couldn't have been saved. But he enters into the ark and the water comes later. Also, the ark was not immersed in water, was it? Because if it was immersed in water, they would have perished. The ark was, they, there was some sprinkling on the ark from heaven with rain. But again, that didn't touch them. And the ark was not immersed. Now hold that thought and go to Hebrews chapter number 10. And look at verse number 22. We're talking about the idea of a good conscience. The end of the commandment is charity and talks about out of, uh, out of a, a, a good conscience as one of the three descriptive phrases in verse Timothy 5. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with what? A true heart in full assurance of faith. We talked about faith is the foundation. It says having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, unless you've got a, some type of high-tech spiritual filtration system, there's no way you can get pure water out of that baptismal tank. There's no way you can get pure water out of anything. What is this talking about? What is this talking about? Because you and I better have our bodies washed with pure water. And that happens when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ and something gets cleansed. Our soul is washed. Our soul is cleansed. And we have a good conscience after that occurs. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from you had an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Evil conscience, defiled conscience, you are washed with pure water. And now you have a good conscience that gives you good intention, that gives you good desire, that would result in water baptism. People say, well, you don't need to be baptized by water to be saved, so I'm not going to get baptized. Wrong thinking. You said a truth, then you, con then you concluded wrongly. No. Or, or, yes, water baptism does not save your soul, but your soul was washed from an evil conscience now you have a good conscience, and because of that, your desire to want to obey the Lord 
causes you to want to be water baptized. Is it necessary for salvation? No. Is it necessary for believers? Yes. It's believers' baptism. And your good conscience should bear witness. A good conscience toward God is talking about in Hebrews 10. It's demonstrated by external water baptism to evidence, young people, pay attention, to evidence the internal spirit baptism. When Noah entered into the ark, you know what happened to him? He got saved from what? Physical death on earth. When you got in Christ, when you trusted Christ, you know what you got? You got saved from spiritual death in hell. That ark is a picture of Christ. You got to get in the ark of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have your soul washed with pure water. What did the water do in Noah's day? The water upheld the ark and it showed Everybody that's perishing, and we read the story, that water upholds the ark and it, and it shows by an external evidence that they're saved and not perishing. That water serves as a symbol to show others. It upholds you and, and shows others. It's a public testimony. It upholds you like that water upheld the ark. And it showed everyone, look, they're saved. They're in that ark. Are you in Christ? You get water baptized. It's a symbol. It's a picture. It's showing. It's upholding the fact. You've got a good conscience, not an evil one anymore. Because it's been made by, it's been made clean by pure water. And it shows that testimony as a symbol. That you are saved. You are publicly identifying. Everybody got that? It's an identifying. Go back to 1 Peter chapter number 3. You're not still there. Verse number 21. Not in the parentheses. Look at that in the middle of the verse. Not the putting away of the filth. Of the flesh. The application of physical water. Material water doesn't save you. But the purifying of the heart. That's the appropriate symbol. For your salvation. Your heart's been made pure. 1 Peter 3. 21, then it follows, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Your flesh can't put away filth. My flesh can't put away filth. 
But after I'm saved, my what was a defiled and evil conscience that's now good, you know what it does? It inquires after God. Who are you inquiring at? Are you saved? Your conscience should inquire after God. That, my brothers and sisters, is what a good conscience is. It inquires after God. If you will, go back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, and we're in chapter number 1. There are three things mentioned, a pure heart. The end of the commandment is charity. That, that's what it's out of, a pure heart. We looked at that. Now of a good conscience, we looked at that. Now we have a phrase, and a faith unfeigned. That's real faith. That's sincere faith. Too many people, you know, if you've got a counterfeit uh, faith, okay? You, uh, have a, do you have a hypocritical faith? No, that's a feign. That's a fake. Man, that guy's got a good fake. He really feigned me. No, 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 no. That's not what you want. You want to have faith unfeigned. That's real. It better be, you better own it. It better be sincere. That's the idea. You want to get to the end of the commandment? It's charity out of a pure heart, number one, out of a good conscience, number two, and you better not be a faker, number three. The Bible says, and of faith unfeigned. Now, charity is the assumed end, but only if it's built on the foundation. What did we say in the beginning? Only if it's built on the foundation of faith, and it's qualified here with a descriptive word. What type of faith? You better not fake it. It better be real. People can fake a whole lot of things. Faith unfeigned. It's not hypocritical. Isn't it funny? We're just in First Peter 3 about Noah and the ark and all that. It's raining like you would think. <laughs> you ever see torrential rain come down like that and then your mind goes to, I just thank the Lord that he promised never to have us all perish in a, in the world perish in a flood. Praise the Lord. But then did your mind ever go to this thought? Man, that ark, picture of Christ, I'm in Christ. Man, I don't ever have, it don't matter how much happens down. I, I'm safe. I'm safe in the ark. Isn't that something? The ark of Jesus Christ. I am in, are you in Christ? No matter what befalls you, you are safe. Praise the Lord. Faith and charity creates a group of saints that have pure hearts that work together for the cause of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, that's a great verse. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, number one, and of a good conscience, number two, and of faith unfeigned, number three. Now we come to our next verse in 1 Timothy chapter number one. Bible says, 
from which some, having swerved, you've swerved, you've kind of wandered a little bit, have turned aside into vain jangling, from which some have swerved. Man, you had an evil heart, now you've got a pure heart, praise the Lord. You had a seared conscience, guess what you've got now, child of God? You've got a good conscience, it's not defiled anymore. You might have had some hypocr hypocritical faith, but you don't have that anymore. You've got faith unfeigned. You know what verse 6 warns us about? You better not swerve. You, might, you better not overcorrect and end yourself up, in, up into a ditch of hypocrisy. That's what it says from some, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside into vain jangling. Man, that's an old, outdated, archaic word. Man, we're going to just have to change the Bible on that one. You know, in the 1960s, Bob Dylan wrote a song called Mr. Tambourine Man. It says, in that jingle jangle morning. No one's rewriting Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> Nobody's correcting that. Nobody decided, you know what, that word's outdated. I think we need to rewrite good old Bob songs. No one has done that. And matter of fact, the world upholds, that's one of the, man, that's a great song. You can probably still hear it today in secular, uh, secular businesses, the saloon, the dance hall, all those places that lost people go to. Why do we got to change the Bible? Why do people think they need to rewrite it? Just reread it, study it, show yourself to prove. You got some jangling going on. It's useless. And it is irritating arguing, quarreling, and noisy disputes. Kind of like what Bob was doing on his jangling on his strings, huh? I'm telling you, that is a very strong and forceful phrase. Jangling, 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 jangling your keys. Take your keys, you go like that, you jangle them. And when you swerve, well, I wish I had my I wish I had my keys on. Anybody have keys? Got a set of keys? Everybody, get your keys out. Hold your keys in your hand. Now, hold on. Hold your keys in your hand. Here's what verse five says. It says, "Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart. You need that. Out of a good conscience. You need that. And a faith unfeigned. Now, from which some having swerved. So when you swerve, you get rid of those three things and you turn aside unto vain. Now shake the keys, jangling." That's the idea. That's the idea. Do you want that vain jangling or do you want the stuff that's found in verse number five? Hey man, verse number five. Right? Three good things. Vain is worthless and it has no substance. Instead of calling Hannah up to play the piano, we will call everyone that has keys and you just stand up here and you just lead us all in some vain jangling. <laughs> you know what that's going to do to people? All it's going to do is irritate them. When you swerve, when you swerve and move and wander from the pure heart, good conscience, faith, and things, you do that, 
it irritates God's people. And it irritates God. The end of the commandment is charity. Out of a pure heart, good conscience, faith in him. All right, one more verse, 1 Timothy 1, verse 7. Bible says, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm, they end up being pretenders because they don't understand the law. And as a result, they have wrong desires. Self-esteem is a wrong desire. The desire to be esteemed. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. I will. The Bible says esteem others. Get your desires correct. People desire to have the preeminence. Who should have the preeminence? Christ. If he is not lifted up and magnified in every sermon, in every fellowship, in every outreach, in every song, then I would submit to you somebody's trying to get some eminence that they shouldn't be getting. Christ is the preeminent one. People have wrong desires, but they want, they want the credit. And you might not ever get credit. I might not ever get credit. Christ gets all the credit. So what? The pastor didn't give you a high five. So what? The pastor didn't say good job. So what? The Sunday school teacher didn't give you a sticker. So what? You didn't earn a cookie for memorizing your verses. Look, these things happen in life. You don't need to have credit. Just be thankful that Jesus Christ gets the credit. And that's a tough pill to swallow. I know young people. It's a tough pill to swallow. Well, how can I? How come I can't have what my brother has? How come I can't have what my sister has? It's not fair. I should get some credit. I should have some preeminence. Jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle. Come on. Come on. Desire. Desire to be teachers of the law. They don't understand the true nature of biblical Christianity, and therefore they fail in trying to teach it to others. It was the nature of Jewish teachers. They could explain the law, but in a way where it corrupted the truth of the gospel. We learn in Romans the law is good and just, right? Holy, good, just. It, it, it is. There's nothing wrong with the law. What is happening is there's something wrong with the desires of the teachers. Let me give you an example of this. Look at verse number two and we'll close with this thought. This illustration here. In verse number two, it says, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Now, Paul, Paul, uh, Timothy was converted under Paul's ministry. And this phrase here is referring to that. That's his son in the faith. You're out witnessing, so you get someone gets saved. They're, now they're your son in the faith. 
Roman Catholics take that and twist it. And they create a doctrine. They're trying to teach something. Their desire is wrong. They're desiring to be a teacher. But they take that verse, and that's where you get calling a priest a father. They are your father, you see. You see what it says in 1 Timothy? Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. You see, you're my son, and you have to call me father. No, the Bible says, call no man your father on the earth, right? You don't call someone your spiritual father. I don't care what term you put in it. Reverend. Bible says that, uh, in Psalms, reverend is his name. There's pastors, there's teachers, there's preachers, there's evangelists. Okay. There's brothers, there's sisters. But you can take that and you can twist it. And now you have a twisted desire. For one is your father, which is in heaven. The only person I'm calling father is my physical father. The only person I'm calling father is my Abba father is my spiritual father, which is the same father that you have. Our heavenly father. Does that make sense? Verse number five. Now the end. Of the commandment is charity. I hope that's your end point. Out of a pure heart, charity can happen if number one, you have a pure heart. Charity can happen number two, if you've got a good conscience. Charity can happen number three, and of faith unfeigned. It's assumed for the believer. You've got it, are you tapping into it? The warning is, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Young people, everybody here tonight, you have got to see the clear contrast between verse 5 and verse number 6. If, it, if, if the end isn't charity, all you've got is vain jangling. And you know what the result's going to be? Verse 7. The result will be a twisted desire, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. You've got exactly, you've got it laid out exactly how it will work in verse five. You've got the contrast and the warning of what will happen if you turn aside from that. And you've got the result in verse number seven. What will result from the turning aside from that charity is the end of the commandment. Is you're going to have twisted desires. You're not going to understand the law. Now I'll close with this thought. What was the first charge given in chapter one? He, Paul charged Timothy on the Holy Spirit's inspiration to you, you, you better, you better not move from good doctrine. It's sandwiched with verse number seven, an understanding of the law. Because if you mess the law up, you're going to mess the gospel up. It, it's, two, it's two pieces of bread to make the sandwich complete. 
you can't have the law wrong and expect to get the gospel right. Make sense? You've got to have both. So that, that's the first big charge. Get your doctrine right. you got to understand what the law is used for. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.